Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. It's no secret how much we love our state. One of our most favorite pastimes is pointing to a place on the map and driving there to explore local shops, restaurants, and anything else we can find. The keys to a good road trip are snacks, a good playlist, and a clean car. Get your car ready for a Michigan road trip by calling Ride and Shine Mobile Car Detailing in Dearborn, Michigan. We know the owner personally, and there's not a harder worker than Darnell. He will come to your home or place of business for interior and exterior detailing, wax and polish, paint correction, ceramic coating, and window tinting, right in your driveway or parking lot while you work. You can find Ride and Shine Mobile Car Detailing on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, or you can call or text Darnell at 313-804-6441 to get your ride shining for spring. Happy Independence Day. It's late now. Happy Independence Day, belated. Belated. Happy birthday, belated. Yeah. It's not my birthday yet as we record, but when you guys are listening, it'll be past my birthday. However. This is the gray zone right here. As far as I'm concerned, my birthday starts on July 1. Yeah. And goes until I'm done celebrating. So you're all tuckered out. Yep. Which at this age is usually still July 1. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways, welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential with Angie and Marty. How's it going? Going great. How are you doing, baby? Living the dream. Yes, ma'am. I'm about to be or am now 42. And everybody that finds out that I'm 42, they, they're like surprised. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because I don't act my age. I don't know if it's because I don't look my age. I think about sometimes like what my mom or my grandmother were like at this age now and i feel like i have not reached the same level of maturity mm-hmm. <laughs> so perhaps that's why people are so shocked when i'm like yeah i'm 42 they're like what yeah i mean i don't know if anyone in our generation does reach the maturity of their parents yeah. or or they just realize that like maturity is just a myth it's just a bluff basically it's gotta be. You know, yeah. It's gotta you just be. Just bluff it the whole time to your yeah. kids. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like I'm an adult sometimes, but then other times it's like I don't I, I don't really understand how anybody was like, Yeah, that's a good idea. Let her uh just set her free, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what? Why? Just turn would her you do loose that? into the world. <laughs> and here Is we she are. Ready? Who knows? <laughs> so anyway, um, 
Yeah. So happy summer also, because it's finally summer and the weather is beautiful. And I hope everybody's having a really good time enjoying whatever it is that they've got going on this this summer. So anyways, as usual, we're going to start the show with County Roots. And we are going to finish up the E's and then head into the G's. I guess there's no counties that start with F in the state of Michigan. It just dawned Hmm. on me. Not that I can think of offhand. Interesting. Hmm. I wasn't thinking about that when I was putting all of these, uh, all this information together. And now I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that is interesting. It's very strange. I guess I would have thought, isn't there a Franklin County somewhere? I don't know about that. Apparently not in Michigan. Town of Franklin, a village of Franklin. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Perhaps. In Oakland County. Oh, well, way off. All right. Well, there's no F's in the state, so that's fine. Anyways, Eaton County is our first one. Eaton County, which sits southwest of Lansing, is another of Michigan's cabinet counties. This one was named after John Eaton, who was Secretary of War under President Andrew Jackson. John Eaton. We have a lot of those. Speaking of of Eaton, by the time you hear this, we'll know who the uh, champion of the hot dog eating contest was in 2022. Oh, Will it be Joey Chestnut again? Probably. I can't watch that. I know. It makes me real nauseous. I know. I love hot dogs, but... Ugh. Yeah, just watching them shove it down. Oh, with, my God. Oh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. But you got to watch for George Shea alone, the uh, the MC of the event. Good that stuff. Guy is, he's, a, he's an American treasure. All right. Well, maybe... I don't know. Maybe we can try it. I, I can't make any promises. All right. Emmett County at the tip of the mitten is another Michigan county whose Native American name was replaced with a European one in the mid-1800s. Wah, wah. Originally in the books as Tonindagana, which honored an Ottawa chief, the county name was changed to Emmett to honor Irish nationalist Robert Emmett, who had nothing to do with Michigan, but was known for trying to lead a rebellion against British rule in the early 1800s. Oh, great. So weird how we just, you know, took their land, renamed it all for... People who were never, ever here. (laughs) Had nothing to do with the state. Yeah. All right. That's America for you. Genesee County, home to Flint, has a name of Native American derivation, but it is not a regional name. In fact, it was named after a county in New York, the home of some of this region's early settlers. Genesee is said to mean beautiful or pleasant valley. I agree with that. I like Flint. Yeah. I like Genesee County. I love Flint. Yeah. Love Genesee County. I think it's beautiful out there. Grandma lives right on the corner, not on the corner, but on the the border of Genesee and Shiawassee County. So I spent a lot of time growing up in both counties. Wide open spaces out there. It's amazing. Love it. Gladwin County is the last one for today. Henry Gladwin was a British officer who helped defend Fort Detroit during what's known as Pontiac's Rebellion, a 1763 uprising among among Great Lakes Native American tribes as they sought to resist British rule in the region. The Lower Peninsula's Gladwin County bears the officer's name. I also spent a lot of time in Gladwin County growing up, yeah, and that's where we visited a lot of Amish farms. Mm-hmm. I remember going to an Amish farm as like a uh, school, what are those things called when you go? Field trip. Field trip. Thank you. Wow. Uh, yeah. Went to <laughs> went to them, you know, for school field trips and got to see how like furniture was made and always I love the Amish. came home with bread and pies and cookies and home baked goods yeah. and 
Love it. I love them. They're a lot savvier than than we give them credit for. Oh, for sure. You know, I mean, they they got it figured out. Yeah, they yeah. got people in there that like that are in their communities, but not officially Amish who live with electricity and then like you know charge all their cell phones for them, <laughs> so the Amish can still live without electricity, but they still have you know cell phones and yeah other modern conveniences from batteries you can charge. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah, and like. I'm just so amazed, like, uh, when they, like, do barn raising and stuff like that, like, to see how they, like, they just get, like, three, like, I don't even know 300 people, and they just, they're like, hey, get your best, you know, 300 men, and we're going to lift up this thing, and we're going to move it. It's the type of stuff you you think about when you're older in life, like, when you're in your 40s, and it's like, man, I really missed out not being raised Amish. Because this yeah. is now when you can, you know, enjoy the benefits of having a 300 plus community and right. that doesn't want you to go hang out every night and get drunk. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, how nice it is just to chill out with the family and the community. Yeah. And they always give the, the kids that choice, that rum springer where they're like, all right, you can go out, you know, you're a teenager, you can go live your life. Right. And then you can come back or you could stay out there forever. Do you remember there was like a reality TV show on like TLC or something where they... They followed oh. like these Amish teens as they went and and the tried Cedar to, Point. like they would. They were like, "All right, well, here's your here's your chance. Like, yeah. are you gonna turn your back on the community completely, or are you gonna, you know, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna come back, or are you gonna live in New York City?" And it was like watching some of these kids basically be dropped off in the middle of a city and just. I mean, first of all, culture shock. Yeah. Like, I had a bit of culture shock when I went to New York City, and I, you know, I'm not Amish. Right. Like, I've grown up with all of these modern technologies. Yeah, and I'm a grown yeah. adult, <laughs> and I still showed up in New York and was like, you know, had a minor meltdown and freak out because yeah. it was like, what in the world? This is a completely different universe. I can't imagine not growing up with all of the modern technologies that yeah. I have and then be thrust into something like that and just be like, now make a decision. You've got right. 30 days. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> Anyways. You're going to become a Broadway star or are you coming back to the community? I'm going back to the community. Yeah. I'm going to join the community right now, actually. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's just like, Bye. oh, be so nice. Just live out in the country. No cars speeding down your road. Yeah. Hey, can you handle the rest of the show? I've got a bag to pack. Yeah. All right. They don't allow bags. No. All right. Well, anyways. So <laughs> so that's County Roots. That's what we got for the day. So I think All it's right. pretty cool learning about where these names came from. Yeah. I'm kind still of depressing to learn kind of depressed. Yeah. <laughs> most of them really have no tie to Michigan. Or they were just, or they did, and then it was just like stripped away. It was like, hey, real cool Native American uh, situation you got going on here. But yeah, guess what? They just took away everything and they're like, no, we're just naming this after some guy (laughs) who is uh, what we call the Secretary of War right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's ironic. Yeah. Um, So moving on to today's topic. Today's show is pretty much going to be like a hodgepodge of information. Mm Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what to do a show on, and I came across a list, like a couple of lists of different fun facts or weird things or whatever about the state, and I figured, why not just compile this list and just kind of touch on 
some random information. Yeah. Some fuel for your road trip yeah. this summer. I was going to talk about Pontiac's Rebellion, but that feels like a lot of research. We already kind of covered it a little bit a and few so, weeks ago. Yeah, but like, there's so much more, yeah. and it just seemed like a lot, and I was overwhelmed, and so I, I'm, we're going to table that one. But anyways, if you are listening and anything that we talk about today piques your interest and you want to know more about it, then because like this is I literally picked a bunch of things and have like paragraphs. So if there's anything more that you want to learn, then send us an email or hit us up on social media and then we'll see, you know, we'll kind of add that to the list of, of shows. All of today's Information came from Movoto.com and Wikipedia, unless otherwise noted. So did you know, I'm sure you knew this, Sault Ste. Marie, founded in 1668, was the first European settlement in the Midwest and the third oldest one west of the Appalachians. Yes. So I'm sure we're going to do a show completely on the Sioux at some point because... I mean, we've been hinting at it We have been. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I know. But eventually... This is just the lead up to it, you mm-hmm. know, just going to get you guys all excited. And anyways, did you know Michigan abolished the death penalty in 1846 for all crimes other than treason, becoming not only the first state, but the first English speaking government in the world to do so? According to deathpenaltyinfo.org, it was abolished in 1847, and even though treason was still punishable by death, nobody was ever executed under that law. In 1962, the death penalty was completely abolished. Only 13 executions were carried out in our state's history, with six happening after after Michigan became a territory in 1805. Only one execution was carried out after statehood, and that happened in 1938. Yes, I did know that. Did you really? Yeah, as I knew about that one execution in 1938, it was a bank robber, I believe, who killed some people. Russian bank robber, yes. Yeah, in like Midland, I believe, is where the the crimes happened. I can't remember, but possibly. Yeah, I believe it was in the Tri-Cities area. And there was another person... And it was executed on federal charges, Yeah, not state charges. Yes. Yeah, I was going to mention that, but I figured it was it was going to go down a we were going to end up down a rabbit hole with it, but mm-hmm. now you I didn't realize that you already knew that. So oh, that's all right. Um I'm just full of all sorts of weird you little factories. You absolutely are. The uh there was one other execution that was noted in my research and it was a man that eventually after his execution uh, was found to be innocent. Oh, good. So, and that's why we don't have a death penalty. Way to go. Yeah. Don't get me started on the death penalty argument because I will go on for days and days and days and I will win the argument because I am full of very good facts and information mm-hmm. about it. So anyways, I read a really amazing book called Dead Man Walking mm-hmm. by Sister Helen Prejean from New Orleans. And she, she works... She does she still is she still alive? If she's still alive, she's quite she's probably quite old. Advanced in age. Yes. Uh but she worked with people on death row and just I mean, she's incredible. Yeah. She is absolutely incredible. So, anyways, moving on. Did you know the first air conditioned car was manufactured in nineteen thirty nine by Detroit's Packard Motor Car Company? Oh, where to go, Packard? Yeah. According to Wikipedia, the units were not commercially successful for a number of reasons, a couple being that one was the bulkiness of the units. 
the main evaporator and blower system took up half the trunk space. There was not temperature control or shutoff mechanisms other than turning the blower off. And because the drive belt was continuously connected to the compressor, any movement could cause cold air to still enter the car. It was also pretty unaffordable for most Americans to have an AC unit installed aftermarket. It cost $274, which in today's money would be $5,761.81. Wow. So the price of a used car, (laughs) you could purchase an AC unit. From my own experience, I can tell you that driving or riding, I can't drive one of those cars, but riding in the car... An antique car like that with air, without air conditioning, it was it's pretty pretty hellish. Yeah, I mean driving in any car without AC is pretty terrible. But in an antique car, like first of all, they don't go as fast as modern cars, so you can't even get like good airspeed in the yeah. windows. <laughs> I mean, there's no freeway system there's, back when they were yeah, built. Yeah, yeah, they're sometimes loud, like louder than modern cars, and then they also overheated really easily. Yeah. So you know. If you like, if you've ever been in a modern car and the AC didn't work and you were afraid of your car overheating, you'd turn on the heat, right? Mm-hmm. It's miserable. <laughs> so, yeah, terrible experience. Now, I would absolutely give anything to ride in one of my grandpa's Hudsons with him and my grandma, but it would we'd have to do like an early spring or fall right. tour, <laughs> like, right? A color like, tour, yeah. Like this time of year is just you know you get out and you're like literally just glistening and sweat, yeah. and it's a gross experience. It's like the the Woodward Dream Cruise uh, here in the Detroit area mm-hmm. every summer, like. I think it's uh, like first week of August around then. So it's right when Detroit is its oh, hottest. Yeah. And, you know, people come from all around and drive their classic cars to the event. So 696 just becomes a graveyard yep. of like just classic cars just left on the uh, on the shoulder of the road because they overheated. And then you got to think, too, that the cement, not just on the ground, is so hot, but it's just cement everywhere. So yeah. it's just it's so it much hotter. Hot. These cars yeah. just just combust. They yeah. just explode right there on the freeway. Not a fun experience. No, it's a graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful cars need AC. Did you know Michigan has the highest rate of payback when it comes to recycling bottles and cans? Yeah. We have the nation's highest recycling rate, but we're also losing up to $10 million a year due to fraudulent attempts to cash in bottles and cans from other states. Between the years of 1990 and 2020, 90 to 100% of all returnables were cashed in, with exceptions being in 2018, 2019, and 2020, where 89%, 88%, and 73% were returned, respectively. You can thank COVID for that. Yeah, keep your junk cans out of our state. Yeah. Because of a uh, real stupid experience I recently had at Walmart when trying to return cans, I will share some bottle information with everybody. This information is from Michigan.gov. A dealer may accept, but is not required to accept, from a person empty returnable containers for a refund in excess of $25 on any given day. In other words, the Michigan Bottle Deposit Law allows up to $25 in refunds to be given per person, per day, per retailer. If the retailer chooses, he or she may accept additional amounts. However, a retailer may not refuse to accept fewer than $25 in returns from a person. 
Something I did not know, a law passed in 2004 prohibits beverage containers as defined in deposit law from being disposed of in a landfill. Beverage containers may be placed in recycling bins, taken to a recycling center, or redeemed for deposit. Did you know that it was illegal for us to just toss them in the gra- in the garbage? No, I didn't. I had no idea. Oh, no. So if you're out there and you're throwing your cans and bottles away, maybe stop doing that. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to hear any stories of anybody going to jail for this. Going to jail over throwing bottles in a landfill. When I lived in Louisiana, it took so long for me to to get used to not because you just throw them away down there, yeah. and it was just such a weird feeling for me, you know, because I'm so used to. You've got everybody has a separate bin mm-hmm. at their houses for their cans, right, or a bag or something, and. I was always setting them aside on the counter and, and trying to find a bag. And yeah. it's like, we don't we do not do that here. Just throw them in the garbage. And I'm like, ah, but it's money. Yeah. It's I mean, I would money. say COVID really kind of changed the way we do things. Because yeah. before it was, you know, plastic or metal gold mm-hmm. in your house. You just save it up, help you with the groceries. Right. But then when you couldn't return anything anymore, you know, like we've, We've got a little bit of a stockpile that we can't get rid of. And it's, honestly, I just want to throw it away now because it's been in the garage for two summers, three, yeah. going on the third summer now. And who knows what kind of gross bugs are mm-hmm. in the bag. So it's just, I don't know. Yeah, but we can't. Yeah. It's illegal. Now that we know that, now we can't. Yep. So we're going to be forced to go back to Walmart and Meyer and only cash in $25 at a time. We can bring $25 of the gross bug bags. Ugh. And make the Walmart lady go through them. Do you remember what it was like returning bottles before they had these these vending machines, the reverse vending machines, they call them? Yeah, where there was a guy at customer service. And you had to, and count, you had to count, them count them out. Yeah. <laughs> I always find that weird when you go to a party store that still does that. It's so weird. Yeah. How many you got in that bag, Stu? And yeah. Yeah. Like people generally, like if you end up at a party store, they generally already know the person yep. who's returning the bag. You just, you just had me flashback no comment to, on that. Yep. You just had me flashback to when I lived up north. We had a party store down the road from us, and it was like the only store for miles because uh-huh. we lived in the middle of nowhere. And it was our party store slash ice cream shop slash video rental. Mm-hmm. And You'd walk in there with a small bag of cans, and they'd be like, "How many you got?" And leave with you'd Terminator, say, five dollars or yeah. whatever. And they trusted every time mm-hmm. they trusted exactly what you said. Well, and they then... got the receipt. They sold it to you. <laughs> we'll run it against the receipt, and we'll uh, we'll update your ledger. <laughs> so funny. And you're leaving with sleepaway camp oh, underneath man. your arm. Oh yeah, CB four pizza. I rented CB four from yeah. there, and uh, my mother wasn't really paying attention to what I was renting. Which, looking back now, I think she didn't pay attention a lot of times because generally when we went down there to rent movies, it was uh-huh. because they had friends coming over. And so they were going to be at the table in the in the dining room playing cards and smoking cigarettes and drinking beer all night. And us kids just had free reign of the house, right? Yeah. And so I remember renting CB4 because... You know, I've always been a big hip hop head, and so uh-huh. it was like, "Oh, this is great! I'm gonna watch this." Straight oh, out of low Wow, I, yeah, was not expecting that, and um, I got a stern talking to. <laughs> nice. Did, now, did this place have the uh, swinging saloon doors in the back to the back room? I don't. I don't think so. Remember those? Yeah. Remember those? Yeah. Those. Yeah. That we didn't. It was a very small place, and no, yeah. it wasn't. 
It wasn't that kind of. It's kind uh, of funny looking back that they all had like swinging yeah, saloon doors. To, yeah. And you just knew. Yeah. Yeah. Belly up to the wall, partner. <laughs> all right, moving on. Did you know the J.W. Westcott 2, which operates out of Detroit, is the world's only floating post office as it delivers mail to ships as they pass under the Ambassador Bridge? It's actually the only place, uh, only floating post office that has its own zip code. Wow. Yeah. On October 23rd, 2001, the J.W. Westcott 2 sank while caught in the wake of a Norwegian oil tanker. The captain and one other crew member were killed. Two passengers were rescued. The floating post office was later salvaged, refurbished, and returned to service. Wow. You didn't know that? 2001? Yeah. No. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. Still operates. I want to say that the zip code was 48222. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay. But yeah, it's the only one with the uh, with the zip code. Incredible. Yeah. Did you know the Saugatuck Chain Ferry, built in 1838, is the only remaining hand-cranked chain ferry in the U.S.? It connects Saugatuck to Mount Baldhead Park and Oval Beach, which is about 100 yards and takes about five minutes to cross. It is crewed by two people, usually college students, and it operates seasonally from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Also, a uh, fun fact, and I don't know why I didn't put it in my notes. Fun fact about this used to be that you that this chain ferry could only be operated by licensed captain people, boat people. I don't chain know, ferries. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. They had to be licensed. But because there was such a problem finding licensed crew, crew members, they decided that, you know, they like took it to the Coast Guard or whatever. And now people that aren't like, I think one person might have to be licensed. But yeah, it's usually just operated by college students. Now you have to probably take some sort of a course or something, but yeah. you don't have to be, you know, it's not like a, a bigger training and, and all that stuff like it used to be. So interesting. Mm hmm. Did you know Detroit residents were the first in the nation to have phone numbers? Wow. By 1879, the city had grown so large that operators could no longer connect calls by name alone. Now, if you go Googling first phone numbers, I just did air quotes, you'll see that Massachusetts really wants to claim having the first phone numbers. So just let me clear that up. Phone numbers were a thing in the late 1800s, but it was Detroit who helped push individual phone numbers into the mainstream due to party lines basically becoming too confusing. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go ahead and claim that as a win right. for Michigan. You can keep party lines, Boston. So do you remember party lines? I do. I mean, I was too young to ever speak on right. one, but I yeah, I remember the idea of yep. them. Grandma and Grandpa. You know, just kind of you pick up your phone and everyone in the neighborhood's already on there. <laughs> Grandma and Grandpa had a phone in the dining room, the back bedroom, their room, and also in the garage. Mm -hmm. And when I lived there and like just growing up there and visiting as a child, I remember seeing like the evolution of the phone, right? Like mm -hmm. I remember, I don't remember, I remember them telling me about party lines when I was younger, but I don't think... They very well could have still been using party lines, you know, yeah. when I was little, little, because my mom and my uncles in the 60s were using party lines and they always told me stories about it. But but seeing the evolution of the phones just from their house alone is just fascinating, like the rotary dial 
and then we had the push dial and then we finally got my grandparents to switch over to cordless phones and then we finally talked grandpa into getting call waiting Mm -hmm. which was hysterical because you remember when you were on the phone and call waiting like it was you heard like a beep like a click or something it kind of depended on the phone Grandpa did all of his business on his phone, so people from all over the world would call him to try to find Hudson car parts. Yeah. And once we got call waiting, he would be on the phone and he'd, he'd get done with his call and be like, the goddamn phone just kept beeping and beeping and beeping. And we're like, yeah, that's somebody else calling in. Well, Jesus Christ, what am I supposed to do? And like, Lose out on a sale, apparently. Yeah. So it's just really funny. And then eventually we, you know, they had a an answering machine. And of course, that evolved from crazy old, you know, tapes to being mm-hmm. all digital and stuff. And then caller ID, that was a thing that he eventually got. And just really funny to, to see and hear my grandpa, you know, as we're growing up and everything is changing and, and you yeah. know, and then cell phones came and... <laughs> I just remember you mentioned answering machines, and I just remember going like being a child in the '80s and on television. They used to like people would try to sell like you know, here's a wacky outgoing message yep. tape you could buy and put in your answering yep. machine. <laughs> it's just oh, funny God. to think that that was a little cottage industry. There were these people like, man, I'm going to get rich off of this. I'm going to I'm going to write funny songs yeah. for answering machines. What's really funny is that there's probably people listening right now that are that are too young to even understand like the concept of answering machines. And you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, what, what are you, (laughs) what are you old people talking about? (laughs) Yeah. The best part. Yeah. Why they were leaving a message too. It was being broadcast like live to whoever was standing in the room, avoiding the phone call. Yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, it was like not only not only were you avoiding a call, but then you were putting them on speakerphone yep. as to the reason why they were calling. Pretty so, much, you know, if you're trying to hide from a creditor or something, mm-hmm. and then suddenly it like goes on it, like you you know tell everyone in the room, don't answer the phone. <laughs> like that's how people would get when like you know Columbia House was after. Right. Them. Oh yeah. Don't answer the phone anytime the phone rings. You didn't have caller ID. Yep. So you'd have to sit there. And then listen to the answering machine click on, and it's like, you know, a message about a creditor looking for the guy who told you not to answer the phone. I always liked when people would call my grandparents and, like, leave a very detailed message about exactly what they needed. Like, as opposed to just being like, hey, I'm looking for a part for a 49, you know, Mm -hmm. Super 6 or whatever. It'd be, like, this long, drawn-out message. and Or, like, they would... Because... I mean, we have to remember that, you know, when answering machines were becoming a thing, a lot of the older generation didn't understand how they really worked either. And so it was just like the longest, craziest messages. And it was just like, why are you telling me all this? You know? Okay. Talk to you later then, Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Did you know? And I know you know this because we just watched this on a PBS documentary the other day. Did you know the first concrete paved road in the world was a one-mile stretch of road in Detroit? Uh-huh. Woodward Avenue was paved in 1908-1909 between 6 Mile and 7 Mile. The cost at the time was $14,000, which is over $400,000 in today's money. 
Woodward Avenue would later also be one of the first streets to have a painted center line and an electronic traffic signal. That's crazy. So between six and seven mile on Woodward is the first paved yep. road in American history. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy. It's and been a while since I've been in that area, but I remember a deja vu on the corner of a six mile away. Yeah. That one mile stretch cost almost half a million dollars in today's money. Wow. That's bananas. Did you know the Kalamazoo Mall was the first outdoor pedestrian shopping mall in the United States? It was opened in 1959 and was built for $60,000, which is over $600,000 today. Throughout the years, the mall has been expanded and renovated and is still home to small shops, restaurants, coffee shops, and more. I find it interesting because the photos don't look anything like you think an outdoor mall looks like. Like Mm -hmm. when you think of an outdoor mall, you think of like Tanger Outlets or something. But this is called a mall, but it literally just looks like a downtown street area with shops like any other street in America. So... I don't know, but it was the first ever, so it's pretty interesting. You're very cool. Yeah. Did you know a Roseville man who dropped a couple of F-bombs after falling out of his canoe was convicted under a law that had been on the books since 1897, prohibiting, quote, indecent, immoral, obscene, vulgar, or insulting language in the presence or hearing of any woman or child? In 2002, the conviction was overturned by the Michigan Court of Appeals, and the law was struck down at the same time. The man was initially fined $75 and ordered to work four days in a child care program. The sentence was put on hold while the case went through the appeals process. 2002? Where did Mm -hmm. he fall in the the water at? He was up north somewhere. Yeah. Rifle River. Okay. And fell out of his canoe, said a whole string of obscenities. And a family of four, and then apparently they they claim that there was also like a park ranger or something mm-hmm. nearby, and he got busted for it. Was That's arrested. Stupid man. I uh, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Well, the ACL. I think of the horrible things I've seen on the rivers in in Michigan. You know. Yeah. And someone dropping the f bomb is is honestly to be expected. I've seen a lot of boobs on the rivers. Yeah, that's what I'm know? saying. In the yeah. presence of yeah. one time, I saw a lady flash everything yeah. to a bunch of Boy Scouts standing mm. on the uh, on the shore. Yeah, Michigan on rivers the Osable River. So, wild. yeah, it's crazy to think that yeah. uh, this guy just said the f word when he yeah. fell in the water. Well, the uh, the ACL ACLU stepped in and they were like, "Wait a minute, no, we're not this. Mm-hmm. You have the right." to you know under the first amendment this is your freedom of speech like we're not doing this and right. so everything was was overturned but yeah i mean for a while he was that poor family that's probably traumatized oh jeez, yeah i'm sure it just you know it's just silliness but mm-hmm. anyways did you know in 2008 the city of flint passed a law that gave police the authority to arrest anyone whose pants sagged so low as to expose their undies or bare butts Mm. obviously once again the aclu stepped in stating that threatening young men with disorderly conduct for wearing saggy pants was a violation of the constitution of the united states the aclu claimed that the new policy authorized unconstitutional searches and seizures promoted racial profiling and violated due process principles and interfered interfered with an individual's liberty interest in their personal appearance. 
The police chief at the time was actually seen on video searching young men, not only wearing saggy pants, but also long shirts and jerseys, which covered the waistline of their jeans. He was seen lifting the shirts to reveal their boxers, then claimed they were committing a crime. I can't find anything that says that the law has no longer that the law is no longer on the books. Mm-hmm. So that means that in Flint, it is still illegal to show your underpants or your bare butts because your jeans are sagging too low. Yeah, I mean, American history is filled with all sorts of like mm-hmm. wardrobe uh, crimes. You could say that are basically just targeted towards different ethnic groups. Yeah. So it's sad to see that. It is. It is. I hope it's off the books. We should figure it out. Followed up. Well, I tried to find something that said that it's not a law anymore, and I can't find it. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming it's still on the books. And I remember when this happened. Like, I, I can remember having these conversations with people because they're like, well, you know, they look ridiculous and they're gang members because their pants are sagging and all this other stuff. And it's like, mm, no, I don't, I don't think that's true at all. I right. mean, there's no... There's no evidence to support that, first of all. Um, And you know that I'm big on having concrete evidence for things like that. The only argument that I could come up with for not wearing baggy pants is that, well, there's two arguments, actually. First of all, it's unsafe if you're trying to walk across a street, a busy street, and your pants are falling off, right? Like, that's not, you're, you're putting yourself in danger. So that's one thing. The other thing is that medically speaking, when you're wearing your pants so low like that, you're, the way that you walk and the way that you hold your legs, like it's very difficult to explain it over an audio show. But if, you, if you're at home and you want to practice this, mm-hmm. put your pants on and bring them down to you know, below your waist and your belt up and try to walk like you will feel that you you're using muscles in your legs that you don't normally use when you walk because you're trying you're trying to like keep your legs your thighs apart so that you don't lose your pants so medically speaking you're doing damage to your body because you're not walking the right way those are really the only arguments you know for not wearing baggy pants but like seriously this dude was lifting up shirts and being like that's illegal like no what you're doing is illegal don't touch me like (laughs) you know what i mean like you can't that's anyways don't get me started so um so yeah that's that's the show those are those are the those are the fun facts for the day fun facts to kickstart your summer there were so many to go through and Interestingly enough, some of them I've actually used for trivia questions on our social media. So yeah. that that was fun. But yeah, I had to finally stop because I was like, oh my God, I could go on forever and ever and ever with these. Well, you know what? We got future show ideas because I liked it. Yeah. So as always, thank you for listening and sharing our show with your friends. I looked at our stats today and we've had listeners in all the U.S. states except for four. Mm-hmm. So Alaska, Hawaii, Maine, Idaho, I'm going to need you guys to get it together. I mean, Maine, at least. Well. We've talked about Maine. I you're, know. You're the, the salty version of a Great Lakes state. Yeah, well. Like, we should be friends, Maine. And I love potatoes, like Idaho. Mm-hmm. Where you at, girl? You love lobster, Maine. I, well, I don't love lobster. I've had it once, and it was pretty good. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, come on. Come on. You know why Maine doesn't listen? Because we got Paul Bunyan. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah, that makes sense. But if you have friends in any of those states, maybe you should let them know 
that they should really give us a listen. Yeah. Maybe they'll love us as much as we love them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for other cool shows to check out, you can visit our network page at joyroadmedia.com and see if there's anything there that catches your eye or your ear, as it were. And of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Great Lakes Confidential on either platform. I have been slacking off a bit on posting, but there's usually some fun stuff on there. So give us a follow or a like or whatever you call it. And if you want to reach us directly, you can always send us an email to greatlakesconfidential at gmail.com. And that's about it. So All right. I would say get out there and enjoy the rest of your summer. Hopefully you're enjoying Michigan summer because it's the best. Mm-hmm. Feel so, free to let us know where you're going this summer. Yeah, for sure. Share your stories. Like I love sharing your guys' stories and... Our listeners really enjoy hearing other stories, too. You know what I want to hear? What? I want to hear the best things you've eaten this summer. Yeah, we do love food. So tell us, tell us where you've, tell us your favorite restaurant. Ooh, tell us not only your favorite restaurant that you've always loved, but then I want you to go and try a new restaurant and then tell us about that. Yeah. Let us know if you thought it was really, really good or you're like, yeah, I'm never going to go back. Yes. Yes. All right. So. Enjoy, have a great time, be safe, most importantly, and text us when you get home. Bye-bye.